Hey, my name is Parker Manuel, pastor of Pinewood Church in Boulder, Colorado, where our mission is to meet people where they are and point them to Jesus. Hope you enjoy today's podcast. Welcome again to Pinewood Church. My name is Parker Manuel, and I'm the pastor in this wonderful house. Really grateful that you're joining us today. It's a privilege and it's a joy that you're here. We know that there are many places that you could be today, but it means a lot that you chose to be right here with us. I just want to say again to all of our guests, we're so glad that you're here as well. No matter where you're watching from all around the world, your family here. If you're tuning in, you are every much a part of what God is doing as anybody else, physically or around the world. So we're so glad that you're joining us. We are moving through a series called History in the Making. History in the Making. I believe that this is a very timely topic, a very timely series that we're living in today. Do you believe that as well? Do you believe that we're living in a history in the making season? For better or for worse, this is where we are. We just sent a rocket to the moon. This is a history in the making moment. We just experienced, we're in the middle of a global pandemic that is not affecting just the United States, but it is affecting the world. This is a history in the making moment. But amidst the wonderful things that are happening in this moment and and the, the tragic things that are happening in this moment, there's also something happening in this moment that honestly is tough to talk about. It's a difficult, difficult topic of conversation, and it's one that I, I know that I'm not alone in saying that I've wrestled this week. I've been in anguish this week. I've been in despair. I've been angry. I've been sad this week. And that is the topic of conversation around racism. But what I want you to understand about our topic of conversation today is, is that we're just not going to focus on racism and race, but we're moving towards reconciliation, not just for the church, but for our country. I believe with all of my heart that racism still exists today. That's the premise of this whole conversation. And if you're watching this and you're thinking, I don't believe that it does. I believe that this is all made up mumbo jumbo. You might as well tune out right now. You are not going to like anything that I'm about to say. Go find somebody else that's going to support your worldview. This is not your happy place, okay? You're going to be very offended, and we don't necessarily need your opinion in our comments. So go find another, go find another place. It's fine. Oh, everybody's welcome here uh, except for your comments, okay? Not all the comments. Are, I'm just playing. I'm just playing. We'll take the comments too. We love you. But um, the reality is... Uh, that if you believe that racism does not exist, you're living under a rock. This, you are not living in the current reality that the rest of the world is living in in today's world. And the topic of my sermon is I can't breathe. And we're going to be looking at a passage of Scripture found in Proverbs 31. We're going to be looking at verses 8 and 9. I'm going to read this together. If you have your Bibles, turn there. If you don't have a Bible, I encourage you to download the YouVersion app. Go to Proverbs 31, verses 8 through 9. It says this, Speak up for the people who have no voice. 
for the rights of all the down and outers. Speak out for justice. Stand up for the poor and destitute. Let's pray. Father, I pray right now that you would be the teacher. I need your wisdom, Father. I need your guidance in this conversation. It should be one of love, not anger. It should be one of hope. It should be a message that points people to you and not myself, not my opinion. So, Father, I need your help. Holy Spirit, use me, guide me. God, I pray that as we, we preach your word today, that minds would begin to open up, hearts would begin to open up, repentance would happen, reconciliation would happen, and change would happen, and we would truly become agents of change in a world that desperately needs our voice. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I have the privilege of being a dad. I have five kids, and my youngest is 14 months old. And so 14 months ago, my wife had a baby in our home here in Boulder. And I was privileged enough to be able to be a part of that entire process. And I remember going into our home. Yes, I said our home. My wife had her baby in our home, in our bedroom. I know for many of you that is, that is crazy, but this is a decision we made, and we're glad that we did. It was, it was an awesome experience, and she's an unbelievably strong and powerful woman. Shout out all the women out there that have babies. But we were in the home, and I remember as my wife was going into labor, preparing for delivery, I remember going to her and just leaning in, you know, how can I help you? What do you need? And granted, while it may not felt like my presence or my voice meant a lot to my wife, it meant everything, that, that I was there, that I was, I was very present, I was not distracted that she had my attention, she had my affection, she had my ear, she had my actions. Then, uh, a little later on in delivery, uh, I caught my baby. Yeah, it was, it's kind of like a football, you know, it's just, I'm like, I, I, I turn in a wide receiver, I'm like, I got you, baby, okay, and I caught my baby, and... <laughs> I don't know. It's my experience. You can have your experience, and it's fine. And I caught my baby, and everything was beautiful for about three seconds. And then it got really bad. The umbilical cord, his lifeline, snapped. Never seen this. Even, the, even our midwife said, I've never seen this before. It just exploded and snapped. And I mean, it was, it was violent everywhere. Are you tracking with me? Crazy moment. I look around the room at the midwives. I look around at the room at all the other support systems we have there. And I'm like, now is the time, team. This is your moment. This is the moment we've all prepared for. My wife and I have had it up to this point. It's been my, my, we've been, we, we've been doing it up to here and it's been going well. But this is the moment we've been waiting for. We hired you for this. We're paying you to take care of this problem, this current reality that we're living in. Now, what if, what if in that moment where blood is everywhere, I'm just getting graphic for just a second, a life is on the line, I'm freaking out, we paid you to be here, and they look at us and say, we don't really know that it's as bad as you're making it out to be. 
hang on, dad, mom, you're overreacting. Let's just give it an hour and let's see if it's truly as bad as you say that it is. At that point, it's too late. Their silence is deafening. I've heard loud and clear how they feel about this situation. What if, what if during the labor pains, when my wife is in one of the most painful experiences of her life, where she desperately needs me to lean in, to empathize, to listen, to hear her experience on the situation, what if in that instance I just simply check out? You know, I, I know you're going through something incredibly painful. And I, just for the record, I love you. Just, hey, I want you to know, just for the record. But I got other priorities and I got a lot of other stuff that I got to attend to. Or, or really, I'm nervous to even be there because if I'm around it, like what, how is that going to even make me feel? How would my wife feel in that moment? I love an illustration Pastor Jimmy Rollins shared. was though, Although that we may not feel what our black brothers and sisters feel, maybe we, don't, we can't fully experience the weight and the trauma of their present reality as we can't with our wives when they're in labor. We can hold their hand. We can lean in. We can listen, get as close to the pain and the experience as possible, and we can say, how do you feel? Is there anything that you need? Is there anything that I can do? Though I know you're in the middle of deep pain and anguish, you can barely speak. I can speak for you. I'll go to the midwives on your behalf. What do you need? You need a towel? I'll get you a towel. You need me to speak up for you and say, hey, y'all get in here right now. My wife is Fear, fearful, she's afraid, she's scared, but I'm on the outside saying, hey, activate, activate, activate. What if I instead, what if I would have retreated? What if I would have remained silent? I'm not looking to bring solutions for every problem that we're facing in our nation right now. I have no illusion that I'm going to solve all of the world's problems in one sermon, in one message. I'm learning like the rest of you. I'm growing like the rest of you. I'm studying like the rest of you, and I'm striving towards understanding. But it is my prayer, and it is my hope that today would be the start of a conversation. That if maybe today we could open the door a little bit to say this conversation that we all, maybe even some of you want to have, or maybe you're avoiding like the plague because you're like, I'm scared to get, go down that road. I'm afraid of what I might find. Maybe for today, we could just crack the door open and say, no, it's okay. Maybe for a moment, we could put some language behind what we feel and begin the process of reconciliation and understanding. That's my hope. That's my prayer. So let's lean into the conversation today. The big idea is this. Is walk in the way and let's be agents of change. Walk in the way and let's be agents of change. And I want to share with you a few practical steps towards becoming agents of change. 
First, to become an agent of change, you have to start in the heart. You have to start in the heart. Anything exceptional that happens on the outside of you first starts on the inside of you. We see this in Scripture. Look at Psalms 139, verses 23 through 24. It says this, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my concerns, and see if there is any offensive way in me. Lead me in the everlasting way. And when he went up to the shore, he saw a large crowd, and he had compassion on them, and he healed their sick. Isaiah, the great prophet Isaiah, speaks specifically on injustice and the pursuit of justice. But before he gets to justice, look what he says in Isaiah chapter 1, verses 16 through 17. Wash yourself, cleanse yourself, remove your evil deeds from my sight, stop doing evil. Wash yourself, cleanse yourself. Then in verse 17, learn to do what is good, pursue justice, correct the oppressor, defend the rights of the fatherless, plead the widows. Before you, before you step out in justice, Cleanse yourself. Wash yourself. Search me, O God. See if there is any offensive way in me. Second Chronicles 7.14. And my people who bear my name will humble themselves, pray, and seek my face, and turn from, their evil, turn from their evil ways. Then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sins, and I will heal their land. You cannot have reconciliation apart from Repentance. Repentance is a prerequisite for reconciliation. Confession of sin. Search me, O oh God. See if there's any offensive way in me. I've sinned. I've made a mistake. What in your life do you need to repent of? So that you can take the first step towards reconciliation. Now, don't get it twisted. I'm not talking about reconciliation with your brother or your sister. I'm talking about reconciliation with our black brothers and sisters. Just to make sure we're on the same page. God, I'm sorry for my silence. God, I'm sorry for taking the easy path. I recognize that I have allowed racism to creep into my thoughts, to creep into my jokes. I'm sorry that I have allowed racism to creep into my prejudice when I see people, when I hear people. I'm sorry, God, for my initial reaction. I'm sorry, God, for my feelings. Choosing to confess and repent is not taking the easy way out. It's confronting what is wrong on the inside so that you can effectively become a change agent in the world around you. I think the opposite is also terrible. I think it would be terrible for you to go out and be a complete and total hypocrite trying to change the world. Meanwhile, on the inside, you're just as racist as everybody else. What high horse are you standing on? How hypocritical for you to go out and, and, have, a, and have a standard in one area but not a standard for justice in another area. To have unconfessed sin, unconfessed repentance in your heart while all the while saying, no, I'm here to do good by everybody, but, but not God. Repentance is not an apology. It's a change of direction. Now, this is, 
This is incredibly important, and I want you to understand this. The word repentance does not mean, hey, I'm sorry, we're good, right? Oh, you feel like, you feel like uh, everybody's erased. You feel like that wasn't right, and you feel like you've been hurt or judged. I, my bad. We're good. We're good. That's not repentance. That's an apology. Repentance is turning the other direction. Say, so you know what? I, I got I to gotta say, I got to let you know, like, I have been going this way. I, I'm, I'm making a decision that I'm going to start going this way. You know, I used, I used to laugh at racist jokes. And I'm not just going to say I'm sorry. I'm going to tell you I was wrong, and now I'm moving this way. I used to prejudge. Prejudice is prejudge. I used to prejudge, but I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm going to ask for a new filter. I'm going to learn. I'm going to listen. I'm going to learn. And what I was going this way, now I'm going to go this way. And I'm not talking about conversation with even our brothers and sisters. I'm talking about conversation with God. God, I'm sorry that I did not see the dignity in all of humanity like you see them. God, I did not see the equality in all of humanity like you saw them. I've allowed my, my history, I've allowed my tradition, I've allowed my family, I've allowed my past to dictate the decisions and the thoughts and the mindset and perspective that I have in my current reality. But God, I want, to, I want, a, new, I want a new mindset. I want a new perspective. God, give me a new heart. Give me a new perspective, new mindset. Give me your eyes, not my eyes. Give me your heart, not my heart. Just as you looked up, we talked about this last week when God was looking out over the crowds and he had compassion on them. Just like you looked up and you had compassion over the crowds, God, give me those kinds of eyes that when I look, I have compassion over the crowds. Repentance is not an apology. It's a change in direction. When God starts to do a work in you, then you start to see the world as he sees the world. Repentance brings an awareness of God's grace on your life. I'll say that again. Repentance brings an awareness of God's grace on your life. Where there was darkness, now there is light. Where there was guilt, now there is grace. Where there was hate, now there is love. Where there, is, where there was indifference, now there's compassion. Where there was exclusion, now there's acceptance. Do you see, the, see what I'm trying to say? When you repent and God's grace washes over your life, you're just thankful to be in the room. Oh, God. Thank you for your unconditional love and unmerited favor on my life. Who am I? Who am I to have prejudice? Who am I to see people not as equal as you? Romans 12, 1 and 2 says this. Therefore, if anyone, therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy. Paul's right there. In view of God's mercy, I urge you to present your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true act of worship. Let's see what it says now. Don't be conformed to the age of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is good, pleasing, and the perfect will of God. In view of your mercy, in view of your grace, in view of your forgiveness over my life, transform my mind. Don't conform me to the patterns of this world, but transform my mind to have your mind. 
to see as you see, to discern what is good, to discern what is your pleasing and perfect will of God. Aren't you glad, doesn't, aren't you glad God doesn't leave when we receive his grace through repentance and faith? Aren't you glad that he doesn't leave all that old baggage in our minds and our hearts, but he makes us a new creation in him? We see in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, for if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old is gone. Behold, all things are made new. So if that's true, which it is, all things are made new. We are a new creation in Christ. We are being transformed by the renewing of our mind in view of his mercies and his grace on our, in his life. Then why are you trying to hold on to your old way of living, your old way of race, racism, that old mindset, that old tradition. No, he's given us a new mind, new eyes, new heart, new vision for the future of love and of hope, of forgiveness and of peace. You see, if we want to start being agents of change and follow the way, it starts in the heart. Number two, the second principle is we need to teach in the home and house. What do we teach? In Mark chapter 12, verse 30 through 31, it says, Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. Who is your neighbor? Your neighbor's your neighbor. Hold on, let's read that again. The second is this, love your white neighbor as yourself. That's not what it says. Love your Indian neighbor. Love your Latino neighbor as yourself. No, it says love your neighbor. Who's your neighbor? We're all your neighbor. We are neighbors. We are brothers. We are sisters. And it's very specific. Love your neighbor as yourself. And we need to teach this dignity and diversity and equality in our home and in our house. First in our home, the people that are living under your roof. You are to teach your children that they are not objects of their environments or subjects of their traditions, but they are agents of change in a world that desperately needs their voice. When I'm driving my kids to school, whenever we're about to pull up to school, I like to tell my kids, I do this often, I tell my kids, boys, I want to encourage you. I want you to have the eyes of Jesus. See the people in your school with compassion. Don't get hung up in your bubble. Look outside of your bubble of friends. Look outside of your comfort. Look outside of your convenience and look for the people that are hurting. Look for the people that are sad. Look for the people that are down and out. Stand up against bullies. Love people. See people and listen to people. This is teaching my kids to think outside of their current perspective and current reality and encouraging them to look up, to speak up, and to see the hurting and the broken around them. Speak up for the people who have no voice, for the rights of all the down and outers. Speak out for justice, stand up for the poor and the destitute. I would rather raise children that get in trouble for standing up to bullies than children that are idle in the face of injustice. I would rather raise children that get in trouble for standing up to the broken than children that are idle in the face of injustice. Now you can say this to your kids all day long, but if you're doing something different, guess what's going to happen? 
They're going to follow what you do. Be what you want to see in your home. Be what you want to see with your kids. If you're silent, they're going to be silent. If you roar, they will roar. If you turn away, they turn away. If you lean in and listen, they, turn, they lean in and listen. What example are you leading in your home to stand up for the oppressed, to stand up for a justice, to say, not on my watch? Son, watch this. We're going to be agents of change. Watch this. Watch me. Watch me as I, I watch God and I look to God and I follow his example for what he's calling us to be. Next in our house, two words, dignity and equality. I'm talking, about the, I'm talking about our house, our church, the people in our church, our gathering place. I am unashamed to say that before my wife and I even moved to Boulder, our prayer for Pinewood Church was that we would not be a white church. You're like, oh, can you even say that? Yeah, I believe it's, I think it's fine. It wasn't only something that we prayed for, we were desperate for. We wanted to be a multi-ethnic, multi-generational, multi-background church. In the days of uh, collab, let's just say we wanted to be the ultimate collab as a church. We, we wanted it to look, smell, feel like heaven. Which is the ultimate collab of all nations, tribes, creeds, and tongues coming together to worship at the feet of Jesus. How boring to have all white people sing and worship. Oh, come on! I need, oh, I need gospel. I need, I need black gospel. I need the organ. I wish there was an organ behind me right now. Where, where, oh my gosh. One day, one day, if you're black and you're watching this and you feel a call to Boulder, you have a home at Pinewood Church. We need you. It's not just that, it's not just that we want it. We need, we need you. I don't want to clap on the three and the one and the three. You know, I want on the four and the five. You know what I'm saying? I want Some of you don't understand that. I want to clap on the two and the four. Some of you don't understand what that is. But for those of you that do, you know what I'm saying. As far back as I can remember, as a child even, I had this pull and this draw that I wanted to be black. I mean, as a kid growing up in North Carolina, baby, Black people had it all. I could be like Jordan if I was black. Woo! Repping some Jordans right now. You know what I'm saying? I want to be black. I had, this, I had this pull, this draw, this desire towards black gospel. Kirk Franklin was still my favorite artist of all time. That was my present reality. That was my pull. That was my draw. That was my desire. But and if, I, and if I were to stay in, in just what I think and what I feel, honestly, I feel like I would be blind to what the rest of the world feels. But the reality is that how I grew up and how I felt isn't how the rest of the world feels. At Pinewood, we see and celebrate color. I want to go on record to say that Pinewood is not colorblind. And neither 
is God. At Pinewood, we see and celebrate both color and culture. And we want it to integrate in every aspect of our church. I want to ask you a few questions right now for you to consider as it relates to teaching on dignity, diversity, and equality, both in your home and in your house. A few questions to consider is this. How are you fostering dignity, diversity, and equality in your home and in your house with your kids and with your church family? First is, I want you to invite people that are different color and context than you into your homes. Into your homes. Invite people that are different than you into your homes. Number two, I want you to call and text people that are a different color and context than you, and I want you to learn, and I want you to listen. You hear me? Learn and listen. Seek to understand before you seek to be understood. Say it again. Seek to understand before you seek to be understood. How quick are we to want to be understood? That's wrong! How do you know it's wrong? Well, they shouldn't feel that way. Who are you to say how they should and shouldn't feel? They shouldn't respond the way. Have you had a conversation with how they feel? How do you know how you would respond? Number three, research different cultures and colors and heritages as if it were your own. This last few weeks for me has been a lot, very unique from how I normally sermon prep. There's just been this hunger inside of me that I can't explain this deep desire and this longing to understand why, why, why are we still here? Why are we still having the same conversation that we've been having for decades? Are we not past this? And then the more that I research, the more that I study, the more angry I get, the more sad I get, the more aware I get of my own faults and my own Struggle. Number four, study God's word and teach God's word what God's word has to say about his love for the world, his dignity for all, and his equality for all. For God so loved the world. God's love is for the world. His grace is for the world. His hope is for the world. And our message is always going to be that message. We're going to meet people where they are, and we're going to point them to Jesus. Mm. Number three, this is the final Final principle, the process of being agents of change, and it is this, reconcile with the hurting. Reconcile with the hurting. Now, before I want to dive into this, I want to pause for just a second. I want to say this. For many, for many of you right now, you may be saying, I, I thought that you said that we might get offended. Like, I feel, I, I feel like you're good. Like, I feel like you're preaching truth. Like, yes, like racism is real. Oh, absolutely. Search my heart. Oh, God, search my heart. Show me where I'm a racist. Teach in my home and in my house? Absolutely. I'm going to raise my kids to not be racist, to see everybody as important as everybody else. You got me hook, line, and sinker, Pastor. I'm in. Sign me up. Let's move on to the walking points. Unfortunately, you've convinced yourself that it's enough to just not be a racist. And our black brothers and sisters who are watching and who are listening. And we're going about our life as if it's 100% normal. 
just on the back porch grilling out, you know what I'm saying? It's a beautiful day. <laughs> They're like, yeah, but are you listening? Are you seeking to understand? Are you in this with me at all? Yeah, I'm teaching, yeah, I'm teaching my kids. Okay, great. That's going to come in really handy in 30 years. Dr. King said, in the end, we will remember not the words of our enemies, but the silence of our friends. Revolution starts from the bottom. Reconciliation starts from the top. Revolution starts from the bottom. Reconciliation starts from the top. Where's your voice? Where's your actions? Psalm 82.3 says, provide justice for the needy and the fatherless. Uphold the rights of the oppressed and the destitute. Romans 12.15 says, Rejoice with those that rejoice and weep with those that weep. I feel like somehow we missed that. That somehow the nation is weeping and mourning and we're trying to put logic and reason and say, hey, everybody, uh, hold on, hold on. We're trying to solution while everybody's weeping. When my wife was in the middle of labor, how helpful would it have been if I would have held her hand and solution the whole time why she's feeling so much pain? Well, you see, you know, you know, technically, like a kidney stone is worse than pregnancy, you know? Like, wouldn't have made a lot of sense, right? I want to challenge, I want to challenge, and I want to, I want not only is this challenge, I want to encourage my, my white uh, friends, my white family, my brothers, my sisters, and I want to say, like, what if for just a second we took a step back from our politics? What if for just a second we took a step back from our heritage and our, our bubble, and we had a conversation, and we listened, and we lean in, and we say, how do you this way. Help me understand. If you had my voice, if you had my platform, if you were my color, what would you say? What would you do and why? My son was biking in a bike trail and there was this guy that, it was, it was nighttime, I was with my son and we were in the bike lanes and there was this guy that was going to pull over to the side and he needed to turn right and I had let Brian like what I normally do go out in front of me and this guy was like turning over like he was trying to hit my son and I remember I was, I was pretty far away and I remember thinking to myself what is he doing and he kept inching closer and inching closer obviously he sees them and even goes on to lay on his horn my son gets so paralyzed by fear he stops in the middle of the bike path and he starts weeping and crying. And I speed up with everything. I was on my one wheel. Electric. It's pretty quick. I start speeding that Hummer up at a dangerous level. And in my mind, adrenaline was pumping. And you better believe, had I been able to catch up to that car, there was about to be some serious damage done to that 
that much car. I'm just telling you, I have fight, I have fight, flight. I'm 100% fight. There was no flight. I was not running from the situation. It was my son. He was getting bullied by an, an angry elderly man, and I was not going to have it. Now, he sped off, and honestly, like, my wife was with me. She can attest to this. Like, I sped up after him. You're like, what are you, you going to do? Drag him out of his car and beat him? Maybe. He's bullying my son. Maybe. So I chase him down, and he ends up getting away. Probably, thankfully, you know, I didn't need to see that headline in the news. Pastor drags 80-year-old man out of a car to beat him. I, that didn't need to be on the news anywhere. And God was protecting me, and it was, it was okay, but... I want you to play the scenario out for just a second with me. My son gets bullied and I want to smash his car in and I want to beat him in the streets. Had he run over my son, what would my response have been? Let's take it one step further. Had he run over my son because of racism, my son's not white. Had he run over my son due to racism and I saw it and there was substantial, even minimal evidence that it could have been racism and he killed my son, how do you think I would have responded? Let's take it one step further. He runs over my son. It's because of racism. He kills him and it's all caught on tape and the whole world is now seeing it. How do you think I'm going to feel? How do you think I'm going to respond? Let's say four days go by and that man, after the whole world has seen it, is still having dinner with his wife in his home, enjoying life. How do you think I'm gonna feel? How do you think I'm gonna respond? I'm just gonna go ahead and tell you right now, if I was willing to destroy this guy's car and drag him into the streets and beat him over bullying, I, you don't even want to know where my mind goes when I think of somebody doing that to my son. You're like, Pastor, this illustration isn't fair. He's your son. Of course you're going to do that for your son. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go above and beyond to fight for my son, but then there's another standard that I'm going to have for my brothers and my sisters. I'm sorry, but... I, I, I love my brothers and my sisters too. And I'm going to stand up and speak for them. And I'm speaking specifically to how we're seeing and how we're witnessing the riots and the violence in the streets right now. I think we are so quick, so quick to say they shouldn't be looting, they shouldn't be violent, they shouldn't be rioting. And we're quick to say that but have we said anything about racism at all? We're quick to stand up and say they shouldn't do something, but what about what we shouldn't be doing? Well, as a society, what about how we as a society shouldn't be treating certain people? Now, I'm not here to condone the riots, but I'm also here to say, I want to broaden your horizons for just a second and say, put yourself in their mindset. Talk to one person that is not like you and ask them, how do you feel about the violence and the riots in the streets and see what they have to say about it? I feel like, I feel like your eyes might just be opened a little bit more. If you're going to be loud, let's be found being loud against every form of racism. 
Dr. King said, a riot is the language of the unheard. Let's be a people that makes sure that they hear the roar on their behalf so that they don't have to be the unheard. Speak up, stand up, speak out. Dr. King, uh, the same person that said a riot is the language of the unheard, he also said this, darkness cannot drive out darkness, only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate, only love can do that. Now, where did Dr. King get this philosophy? Where did Dr. King get this idea of thinking? He got it from the Bible. You see, Dr. King was a pastor and a theologian before he was an activist. He got it from God's Word. We see right here in Romans chapter 12, verses 10. It says this, Love one another deeply as brothers and sisters. What do we also look back in Mark? Love your neighbor as yourself. And it goes on to say in Romans chapter 12, verse 17, do not repay evil for evil. So I want to encourage you with this. And I really tried to just, I really tried to pray about this and ask for God's wisdom on this. Because I know everybody has so many raging emotions and hearts towards so many different directions. And I want to say this. As a pastor and as your friend, as somebody that loves you deeply, I do not believe that violence is the answer. Not on my own authority, on the authority of God's word. Do I understand their emotion and the why? No, I wouldn't pretend to. But I would also, with every bit of non-understanding but love that I have in my heart, say there is another way. There is a way of love. There is a way of peace. And I'm not just saying you need to be on that way. I'm saying that we need to lock arms in that direction in communication with one another saying, what does it look like for you to protest peacefully? What does it look like for you to move forward with love, for hope, for a future generation where our kids and their kids and their kids will not be judged by the color of their skin, but the content of their character? What does it like, look like for you to live in that current reality? And I want to know, you to know that I'm locking arms with you and we're moving forward in that direction together. So the first, advocate for the voiceless and, per, and then second, pursue justice. Don't stand on the sidelines, but speak out. Speak out for the people who have no voice, for the rights of those that are all down and out. Speak out for the justice. Stand up for the poor and the destitute. This is a stark reality that hit me. We like to think that racism was, jeez, that was forever ago. We're in a new day. Are we still talking about that? Think about this. My great, great great, great, just two greats. My great, great grandfather was born when the Emancipation Proclamation was signed in 1863. My great, great grandfather was born. My great grandfather lived between this time of intense racial divide where blacks were not even considered human beings as it related to votes, where segregation was rampant, where there was violence. My great grandfather father lived within the eras of the early, early, early 1900s to the mid-1950s, 60s. I'll take it one step back further. My grandfather was an adult during the middle of the civil rights movement. My grandfather, my dad was born in 1955. The civil rights movement was from 1954, 1954 to 1968. My dad was 13 years old when he was still in the middle of the civil rights movement. My dad. 
No, but we're, we're way past that. This is a new day. We're not as far removed as hatred and intense racism and segregation as you might think. And for the black community, we're not removed at all. Millennials, Generation Z, we got an opportunity. We have a history in the making moment to stand up and to say, not on my watch. That any form of racism that we see, smell, or experience, we're going to sniff out. That we're going to be a people that seek justice. We're going to first take care of the, the problem, the sin, the disgust in our own heart and in our own lives. Then we're going to teach it to our home. We're going to instill it in our church. We're going to foster it in our church. But then we are going to seek restoration, reconciliation with the hurt and the broken, with the blacks, with the Hispanics, with the marginalized, with the people in our city that desperately need our voice. Are you going to stand with me and say, not on my watch? You're going to stand with me and lean in, say, I want to learn, I want to listen. And I'm going to conclude with this. We need to pray. God, we need your wisdom. God, we need your peace. God, we need your love. We need your guidance. God, we need your patience. We need your perseverance. As we're typing up a post, we need to say, God, is this what you want me to say? As we're listening in to people that are not like us, God, what do you want to teach me? As we get dive into God's word, God, what do you want to reveal to me about your love for people, about your compassion for people? God, we need you. Heal our land. I'm going to pray for us. And we're going to go into a song. And during this song, I want you to truly just seek God's presence, God's voice on your life. If there was something that was said that you were offended by, God, why am I offended? If I said something that maybe you felt like, I don't know what next step to take, God, what next step do I take? The best voice isn't going to be my voice. I'm just starting a conversation. The best voice is going to be God's voice and God's word and how he's leading and how he's guiding and directing you to be an agent of change and to follow the way. Would you pray for me? Would you pray with me? And by all means, pray for me too. I need it, baby. I need it. Let's pray. Let's pray together. God, we love you. Father, we know that this is a history in the making moment and we don't want to miss our moment. Father, we want our advocacy. We want our voices. We want our actions to be heard loud and clear that we will not just pray. We will not just preach, but Father, that we will get in the game of justice. Your word says, pursue justice, to stand up, to speak out. Father, give us wisdom as we do that. Give us courage as we do that. Father, may we not think, what are people going to think if I post this? I've already thought, thought, God, what are people going to say if I preach this? God, may we remove that from our minds and say, God, what what do you want us to say? What direction do you you want us to move? How can we lock arms with our brothers and sisters and say we're going to move towards love? We're going to move towards forgiveness. We're going to move towards reconciliation. Father, give us wisdom. In Jesus' name we pray.
Hey, thanks for listening. If you'd like to learn more, or if you'd like to join us on a Sunday, head on over to pinewoodboulder.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share it. And if you'd like to be notified every time we post new content, then subscribe. And remember, just keep coming back.